Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IT Relief Soft Robotics uh, Podcast. Hello, Navid. Thanks so much for joining us uh, in Soft Robotics Podcast. I would like to ask you uh, how you would like to define and introduce yourself for the audience for first time listening to you. Yeah. Hi, Marva. Thank you. Thank you a lot for, for having me for this invitation. Um, it's an absolute pleasure um, to talk um, in your podcast and tell everyone a little bit about what Falling Walls does. Um, and... Uh, yeah, basically, um, just to give you maybe a quick uh, inside scoop on our work, um, mm-hmm. Falling Walls is a global hub which uh, connects science, business, and society. And uh, we uh, try to shape uh, the future of humanity by impact-oriented ideas and discoveries uh, driven uh, by our shared dedication for creating breakthroughs across borders and disciplines. Um, and as a vessel for this, uh, you know, for the world-changing spirit of 1989, which I can tell you a little bit about more um, yeah. in a moment, and be, uh, in and beyond Berlin, we're on a relentless pursuit to find out which are the next walls to fall in science and society. So uh, we create initiatives, innovative real-world spaces, and novel digital platforms for future-paving scientific ideas um, worldwide by utilizing a carefully curated blend of uh, sharing information and experiences, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, um, you know, something quite unique or still something that is relatively new um, in conferencing. And uh, we inspire by tapping the wonder and awe inherent in science um, and by building bridges between those who dedicate their lives to world-changing tasks. Um, and we yeah. facilitate discourse and cooperation um, among, um, you know, the global avant-garde, if you want to call it that, of researchers decision-makers, thinkers, artists, and emerging talents. Um, And uh, my personal role within Falling Walls um, is uh, that I'm the head of global networks um, at the Falling Walls Foundation, and I'm responsible for our academic and content-based partnerships across our program portfolio, uh, making it one of my primary objectives to actively invest in network development, management, and purpose-driven community building. So mm-hmm. for many years, I've uh, dedicated my efforts to our overall internationalization, working closely yeah. with universities, academies, foundations, um, and business drivers of innovation in more than 100 countries, um, always engaging them in the various formats which we offer. Very wonderful. So um, I'm curious to ask you about your childhood. Have you ever imagined yourself to be in this position? I, I see you're so passionate about what you're doing. So have you ever imagined to, to be in this position as a kid? If, if I would say the, the overall context of, of science and innovation and technology, probably not. Um, because yeah. I, um, as a kid, uh, was for sure interested in, I'd say, the more uh, popular uh, fields of science that kids a lot of times are interested in, whether it's uh, paleontology um, or astronomy. Um, I was always interested in, in, in dinosaurs, and I loved going to um, the Museum for Natural History or the Zenkenbeck Museum in Frankfurt, um, and uh, was always interested to, to learn more about um, you know our planet's past. 
um, but also about what's um, you know uh, up in the skies and um, uh, yeah. loved gazing at uh, at um, you know the star constellations. So I was always interested in those things, but I would have never thought that I would actually be working in a field where I um, you know um, engage with and encounter people working in those fields and in many other fields and working on groundbreaking solutions. So I'm quite happy that I've made it into this context and that I can help to create platforms uh, to bring all of those mm -hmm. people together um, and to help them in um, you know, a communicative way to reach their goals. That's wonderful, yeah. So maybe me and Sue could ask a question about the story of Falling Walls uh, Foundation and its story was the fall of the Berlin Wall, uh, Wall in 1989. So if you can tell us the story, how the foundation started and what challenges to have this foundation and the mission as well. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, basically in 2009, Berlin um, was getting ready for the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, which happened on 9th of November. Um, and in that time, um, around 2,000 events took place in the city to commemorate the social movement that helped to bring down this wall and subsequently the Iron Curtain. Uh, the interesting thing was that all of these events uh, did a, a look back in time, remembering the people's struggle. Um, and Sebastian Tona, our founder, felt it was important to have a platform, a conference uh, that would take a glimpse into the future and address the question which fall, which walls should fall and will fall next in science and society. And who are those people that are working towards bringing these walls down? Um, and keeping this key question at heart, the Falling Walls Conference took place on uh, 9th of November 2009 um, and invited around 20 leading thinkers from various fields such as the physical sciences, the social sciences and humanities, the life sciences and the arts. Um, and our speakers gave inspiring 15-minute lectures on the current breakthroughs they were working on to an audience of uh, movers and shakers from academia, industry, policymaking and society, but also in front of um, you know, emerging talents um, and uh, science journalists. Um, and over the years, we developed a variety of formats that would perfectly integrate with the Falling Walls Conference, reaching out to different target groups, uh, such as the just mentioned emerging science talents, but also science-based startups, um, PhD students interested in entrepreneurial thinking, uh, science engagement initiatives, um, and many more. Mm -hmm. Great, yeah. So maybe I'm, I'm curious about the start uh, of this uh, event. How was the reception at this time about the first uh, uh, conference for uh, Falling Walls uh, Foundation, and what could be also now, I'm curious about how we can bring these walls, as you mentioned, and how we can fight traditional science. If you can spot what could be still challenging for you uh, and the team, that you can break these walls and still, yeah, that's a lot of work we have to do in this line, yeah. Um, I think what we can do, um, or um, what we are especially good at, I would say, is um, working at the intersection between not just the different scientific disciplines, but also at the intersection between science and industry um, and policy making, which obviously also needs to be informed by the challenges science may face, um, and society. So um, working at that intersection, always trying to find interesting ways to create friction, because friction can lead to innovation, bringing people of different, um, you know, 
um, mindsets together um, with uh, that have different uh, logics and um, you know work towards uh, perhaps the same goal but in different ways um, bringing those people together um, developing those platforms where they can meet um, ideally in an unconventional way um, because when we get people out of their comfort zones uh, we can truly push them towards um, opening up their minds and 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 uh, finding new ways of looking at things and um, and 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 setting those impulses that's what we're very good at and this is nevertheless always a challenge um, because we always try to get everybody together um, and to even at times uh, take them out of their roles of representing a specific organization into getting inspired as an individual through a falling walls experience and taking that inspiration back into their organization uh, to potentially um, trigger certain structural changes within their organization um, to become more creative, uh, more innovative, to think more out of the box, uh, and to open up a mind um, um, to see other ways of dealing with things and other ways of, of solving issues. Um, and I think this is something uh, we've uh, very much excelled in and uh, something we love doing, but it will always be a challenge. I can't agree with you. I think uh, you mentioned the key corner for uh, maybe successful recipe for science. Um, but still maybe some people would argue or maybe they say that in academy we still have this kind of limitation and maybe if we speak about this advantaged countries sometimes they don't have access for scientific resources so and sometimes policymakers not involved so if you can tell us how this also challenges for the foundation are you aspire to to go outside even europe for example i know you have also participation from uh, around the world but still how do you see the effect or the reception about what you're trying to do in, for example, disadvantaged countries? You know, our, our goal, uh, our overall goal is to promote breakthrough thinking across the world and to, um, to, to foster not just interdisciplinary but international connections, um, to foster an exchange um, that doesn't necessarily only happen within your own respective scientific field, but... Um, as just mentioned, at the intersection between various fields, um, because we're not trying to replace, let's say, um, a, a physics conference or you know um, um, a congress on um, where specific medical practitioners meet. What we want to be is um, a complementary, an additional platform that will allow an exchange between these different communities, um, because. We feel that a lot of the challenges we face today in the world and as a society are challenges that are highly complex, um, highly interdisciplinary and require yeah. interdisciplinary solutions. So it is incredibly important next to having those, um, you know, discipline focused exchanges, an additional exchange where different disciplines can meet um, and work towards um, you know, solving a common challenge that we have. Um, and this is where we kind of come in, um, and this is where we try our best um, to, to make these connections. And um, that's why I think uh, we uh, are important, but we're also not there to replace something that already exists, these, you know, um, 
discipline-specific exchanges that are happening in the world. And I'm curious about the, um, the branches for the, the Falling Wolf Foundation event. We have the conference and also Venture and Circle and Breakthrough. If you can tell us how you guys come with this discipline for having these branches to gather those minds from policymaker, academy, entrepreneurship. And do you think the other maybe branches you think about it? Well, I mean, um, we started with the Falling Walls Conference um, and we relatively early realized that we need to find ways to engage other audiences that are a part of the larger community of innovators across the world. And the Falling Walls Conference and the speakers that we invite are very high caliber, established researchers, a lot of times um, you know, on the verge of maybe um, receiving a Nobel Prize or a Fields Medal. Um, Emmanuel Charpentier, for example, um, who had just received um, a Nobel Prize uh, for her research on CRISPR-Cas was one of our speakers. So you will a lot of times see the speakers that come to the Falling Walls Conference be people that uh, may um, at some point later on, maybe a year later, um, um, receive a Nobel Prize. Esther Duflo was another, uh, another one of our um, distinguished speakers. So uh, we wanted to kind of find another space where we can not specifically cater to you know, the, the science superstars, but where we could cater to the people that are um, you know, the next generation of these scientists, uh, the people that are um, much more in need perhaps of these platforms where they can expand their professional networks, where they can expand their horizons, and learn about interdisciplinary exchange and learn about science communication on how important it is to be able to translate your very complex work into a language that is more easily comprehensible to a general mm -hmm. audience um, and to other people that are outside of your discipline. Um, and this becomes especially important when you're um, you know, talking with uh, people from, from policymaking, um, people that uh, you know might be decision makers to um, open up budgets that are required for research. So it is generally very important to be able to communicate um, well um, in the scientific community and especially when the scientific community reaches out. And this is where we felt the Falling Walls Lab um, as the first new format that we launched in 2011 came into place. Um, and this primarily caters to um, scientists um, that are very much at the beginning of their career, a lot of times, um, you know, master students, but also PhD students and postdocs, sometimes even bachelor students. Um, and it's essentially a pitch competition which allows these talents uh, to present their ideas, their research projects in three minutes with three slides. And uh, this was a project that we rolled out um, over years and is now um, and has been active in um, at least in the last year before the pandemic hit in um, 90 yeah. different locations in over 70 countries. Um, uh, an excellent opportunity for us because you were talking about developing countries before um, for us to create or set this stage for talents um, in so many different countries and to give them an opportunity to um, increase visibility for their research to potentially mm -hmm. find new funders um, and to meet potential partners that could help them accelerate their research. Um, and after that became a success, we decided to identify other important 
target audiences that we wanted to cater to and uh, where we felt it would make sense to develop new platforms of exchange. Um, so the Falling Walls Lab, which I just mentioned, was one of them. Falling Walls Venture is another one, which is essentially also a competition, which, however, does not bring um, together um, PhD students, but science-based startups. So we wanted to find uh, the entrepreneurial potential in research um, and find those people that are making their scientific solutions into business products. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, in that format, we're not specifically only looking for you know, the innovative potential, but also uh, we look at the scalability and we look at um, what's the business potential behind this. Um, so that was another, you know, I wouldn't call it a niche, but another audience that we wanted to cater to. And in that way, we always identified new audiences and decided to develop new formats that would cater to those audiences. But always keeping in mind that we wish to foster an interdisciplinary exchange, that we wish to bring together excellence of science and industry um, and break down those walls uh, between academia, between business, um, and of course also between uh, science and society. Mm -hmm. That's really wonderful. And um, I'm curious to ask you this question. I think that's the first question we have in academic research that Sometimes is is not visible what could be. Of course, I'm not making here a sweeping generalization, but we lack this translation, this transition from the ideas on paper into a business, uh, successful business. So, how the committee could could figure out if we speak about Fallen Walls Lab, for example, and also for breakthrough, how you figure out this idea could have an an impact and in terms of society and also have a, a a successful business, yeah, yeah. How we figure out that uh, as a, com a committee? Right. Well, um, then let me give you another example um, because I think the Falling Walls Lab wouldn't be uh, the right example to give here, but another project that we run called Young Entrepreneurs in Science. Um, but before I get into that, um, I think we need to build a stronger bond between you know higher education institutions and companies. There are units in place to bridge this gap, uh, and this is where we feel we can come in to help raise awareness for the entrepreneurial potential in scientific solutions, um, to ensure and improve translation of science and technology to industry, for example. It needs a shift in mindset at the earliest professional level. For example, we believe that all of Germany's 200,000 doctoral candidates have the potential to become entrepreneurs. The skill sets and key qualifications required to obtain a PhD are similar to that of an entrepreneur. Uh, working with passion on a topic, um, and of course this also goes for the lab, finding solutions for problems and promoting ideas in front of a highly critical audience. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the question is, what if they have not yet had the opportunity to reflect on their expertise from an entrepreneurial point of view? What if their academic environment is not yet or only minimally shaped by entrepreneurial spirit. And mm -hmm. this is where our vision is uh, to stimulate cultural change towards more decisiveness and entrepreneurial desire among doctoral candidates, postdocs and their supervisors, um, and because of that in academia as a whole. And in order to achieve this, um, we developed, which I just mentioned, a program called Young Entrepreneurs in Science, uh, where we want to open up a new career uh, perspective for highly qualified early career researchers and channel their expert knowledge into entrepreneurial endeavors. 
through learning methods such as design thinking, um, participants are encouraged to discover and share their inherent competencies and potentials. Um, and the involvement of startup founders and uh, entrepreneurs of innovation-oriented companies um, give participants insights into the chances and challenges of entrepreneurial activity. Um, and this is where we think that entrepreneurial thinking does not start with a business plan. We aim for a more you know, playful approach by asking how much startup is in your PhD. Um, and okay. when we kind of set these impulses so early on, um, I think in the long run, we help to bridge this gap that I've mentioned before between academia and industry because people become more sharpened towards is there potential for business in the research that I'm doing? Uh, and I think with that, uh, we're building on a structural, uh, structural uh, change. Uh, and to bring in companies um, in this program, we are already giving them an opportunity also to set impulses uh, in this field. That's really excellent. But I'm curious about that maybe after 10 years of experiences, what could be the lessons you, uh, you guys learned from that? Since you're doing it really, that's uh, the key corner here, how we can make this transition. So what could be maybe success and failure story that maybe you can share it with people interested in how you can make this transition or make this goal re reliable for? Well, I mean, We've been doing this for, uh, yeah, almost more, yeah, for more than 10 years now. Um, I think an important lesson learned for us is that the one thing that we're, so we're basically doing this conference uh, and, you know, all the other formats, um, or at least the core of those formats um, in the first years, always on 8th and 9th of November. Um, and what we've learned is that there is incredible power in our community there is a lot of potential um, to work together in our community and we are in a unique position to bring this community together um, and to set impulses over the course of the year. Um, basically set impulses that go beyond those two days usually that we bring our you know, friends and, and guests and speakers together. Um, and of course the pandemic um, has been a yeah a, a disruptor um, of everything so we had to learn to redefine um, our business model if you will um, although we're not a business we're a nonprofit but of course we had to rethink the way that we can bring people together um, and uh, one thing we've learned is that we need to think much more digitally so what we did um, because I was mentioning the potential of community is we implemented a digital engagement tool to bring all of our cohorts, all of our alumni, our speakers together and give them an opportunity to exchange um, beyond their physical meetings in Berlin. So this is something we had already planned and uh, were in the process of implementing before the pandemic hit um, because already then we figured it is important that we... Um, continuously curate our community beyond the conferences that we organize, not just in Berlin, but with the Falling Walls Lab across the world and with um, you know other activities we plan across the world because we feel that digital is uh, a very important uh, stepping stone uh, for the future. And this is something that we're um, working towards. We're going through 
a transformational process, becoming more digital. Um, this year, Falling Walls uh, took place in digital form. Um, in order to do that, we decided to um, launch a global call for nominations and um, put together 10 breakthrough categories spanning mm -hmm. anything from the life sciences to the physical sciences to science and the arts, but also science and innovation management and digital education and asking, you know, academies, universities, companies, but also individuals across the world to nominate their most promising breakthrough. Um, and we collected those breakthroughs and had um, juries for each breakthrough mm -hmm. category that then selected their top 10, um, you know, breakthroughs of the year. And then um, subsequently, subsequently, the uh, breakthrough of the year per category. So we learned this year to entirely rethink the way that we work in order to make this year possible, um, you know, preventing us from entirely canceling our activities, which uh, we did not want to do. Uh, we definitely wanted to make sure that um, we can, you know, take this opportunity to reach out to a much larger audience um, to engage our community across the world, uh, and it worked um, very well. It was great. It was a great opportunity for us to reach out to a lot more people. And uh, this, I think, is something um, that um, I feel we are working towards stronger now over the past 10 years, becoming more digital, um, keeping um, sustainability at heart as well, um, mm -hmm. making sure that our conferences are greener. Um, and I think the pandemic has definitely been an important accelerator for those processes uh, because we had already been thinking about those processes before the pandemic hit. But the pandemic basically uh, became this very, very strong accelerator to make sure that we're going in that direction faster than we probably would have before. Yeah, I think that's a very excellent initiative uh, to be considered even before pandemic. But after the pandemic, hopefully, I don't know if you, the plan to be hybrid, because that's also a question we have in, in conference in general. Do you think um, you think maybe hybrid models could be uh, option for future uh, conferences as well? I do believe so, because um, the, the question of sustainability or more sustainable conferences did not just start with the pandemic. Uh, these debates were held before um, for good reasons, because once the pandemic is over, we still have um, the climate crisis to deal with, which is a much yeah. larger challenge we're facing in the world and um, becoming more sustainable as a conference and possibly inspiring people through participation in a more greener conference, um, you know, to become more greener themselves. Um, is something we have to keep in mind. Um, it's something we had been discussing before, so I don't think we will ever go back to where we were before, and we shouldn't. Um, I think we should um, definitely think more digitally um, and find a good balance between creating physical experiences and physical interactions, yet complementing with innovative digital solutions and, and digital formats that don't necessarily replace something that we had done before, but make the overall experience better. Um, yeah. And I think uh, that is why conferencing generally 
needs to keep digital solutions um, in mind in the future and become more digital for sure. So maybe a question here, what could be, you think from your experiences, what area or direction in science and technology you think um, is very promising, but the community maybe still disagree or doesn't give much attention to it? Ooh, that's a difficult one. Um, I think... Um, I think what would be important is um, if I'm looking at science and because this for me, your question kind of addresses science and society and the interplay between both. Um, I think science needs to be more interwoven with our everyday life and not just in forms of applications as it already is, whether it's a smartphone or the computer I'm using to talk with you right now or another technological device. Um, I think we need to invest a lot more in effective forms of science communication that help to build trust in science and increase scientific literacy in order to equip society with the necessary tools to deal with difficult and highly complex and volatile issues such as pandemics, uh, the distribution of misinformation, or the climate mm -hmm. crisis. Um, and on the other hand, I also think that, you know, the scientific community needs to be a lot more embedded in societal debates because the scientific community also learns from these debates and needs to be much closer um, with citizens um, because citizen science um, and bridging this gap that at times exists between science and society is very, very important to make sure that we as a community or as a society um, will not fall into different, you know, departments of, of, of how we perceive our world and how we perceive specific issues, something that has happened um, at times over the past years, um, whether um, it had to do with the rise of populism or mm -hmm. with um, the way, um, you know, some people um, understood, um, you know, our pandemic management um, in various countries and um, the research that has been done um, to um, find a new vaccine. Um, so I think it's really important that science is close to citizens. Um, and in that way, citizens are close to science. Um, and there are amazing science communication formats out there doing incredible work on bridging this gap, like mm -hmm. Pint of Science, um, the Traveling Telescope in Kenya, uh, Lectures Without Borders from France, or our very own Falling Walls Engage, um, as well as organizations that help empower science engagement initiatives, such as the Robert Bosch Foundation, the uh, Museum für Naturkunde, the Berlin Museum for Natural History, or the Australian Academy of Sciences. Um, they're all organizations that are very dedicated to um, bringing, you know, the scientific community and society closer together. So I yeah. think um, if we can manage to bridge this gap, um, we won't have as many issues as we may have had uh, in the past couple of years. Yeah, that's indeed uh, a good point. Yeah. So maybe a question here about this, what you mentioned, how can we ensure that the science uh, we're doing is beneficial to humanity as all? If you can tell us how you make sure, or when you look to this kind of over 10 years, this, how you figure out this is, or how scientists can make sure what, uh, what he or she is doing is really beneficial to the community or humanity? 
I think what's important, um, and this is something that is already happening in Europe at the moment um, with the European education area that will be implemented with the idea of setting up Euro European universities, higher education um, needs to go through a process of uh, rethinking itself um, when we take universities as an example, as institutions of education and research, um, we need to look at how can we integrate them in society in, uh, in a way that it not just becomes a place where um, students go to study, but um, society can learn and universities mm -hmm. can kind of set impulses into society. So I think um, this again is 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 um, you know finding ways to bridge those gaps uh, that uh, becomes incredibly important. Um, and I think additionally to that, um, we need to become a lot more impact oriented. But mm -hmm. when I say that, um, I also specifically mean these platforms that bring all of those different innovators and these you know, representatives of different domains together. Um, because I think there are, of course, scientific conference the conferences that are already very impact-oriented. Uh, but as I had said earlier, um, a lot of those grand challenges or global challenges we're facing um, are interdisciplinary and require interdisciplinary solutions. These interdisciplinary platforms themselves need to become more impact-oriented. Um, and potentially find ways uh, to not just end the narrative with the conference being over, but potentially mm -hmm. finding ways to bring those people that have just met together and facilitate their you know, cooperation. Um, and there are amazing organizations that are already working towards that, whether it's um, an organization like CIFAR or uh, the National Research Council of Canada. Um, mm -hmm. But there are many other organizations that could be doing that more. Um, and I think we are one of them. Um, and, um, you know, similar organizations that are working um, the same way as Falling Walls does, or maybe, you know, in a similar context, should be doing that too. So I think we mm -hmm. overall need to become more impact-oriented. And I think we uh, need to um, find a better way to interweave um, institutions of research and education with uh, civil society organizations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're going to end a few questions. The first one is, uh, I think that's a question we have all the time, where innovation comes from mostly? When you look to these ideas and student and, and researcher, what could we think innovations come from? This innovation, because sometimes we look for students, they don't have resources. That's a difficult question, but I think um, innovate to innovate. So this is something I had mentioned before. I think it's it's really important. Friction is very important for innovation. So I think, um, you know, looking at issues, um, trying to find ways to solve those issues, um, having doubt about, um, you know. A solution you've been working on, um, working on it over and over again, talking to different people to get different angles of this problem. Um, I think to innovate is is not a. Um, I, I'd almost say it's not the eureka moment. It's not that 
that that that that moment of brilliance that comes uh, in that split mm-hmm. second. I think it's it's something you really have to work on. It's investing time in uh, in your research and in constantly reevaluating, um, you know, your your um, your work and um, if you're going in the right direction, failing, um, learning that failing doesn't necessarily mean the end of what you're doing, but is only one step closer to where you want to be. Um, I think all of that kind of in its interplay um, is a part of innovating. And do you think ego is important for science? Um, I think cooperation is important for science. Um, mm-hmm. When we when you look at some of those incredible, um, you know, technological breakthroughs we've gone through, they've been group efforts. They've been collective efforts. Whether it's yeah. finding a vaccine, um, and when you take BioNTech and Pfizer as a collaborative unit working together, um, or um, other groundbreaking uh, scientific projects like SAN or the International Space Station. They're all products of collective efforts, of people coming together and finding ways to bring their best skills, their best expertise, um, and merging them. Um, and I think this is something that is that is most important in science. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd say, um, you know, a, a collaborative mindset is something that can drive um, research. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, what is your aspiration as being part of uh, For the World Foundation? Something you aspire in, the, in your endeavor or your future? Well, mm. my, my aspiration um, is definitely very much connected to my work at Falling Walls. Um, it's to help develop a more purpose-driven community um, because we're bringing together the most brilliant people from across the world, from a wide spectrum of disciplines, all sharing a common passion to solve problems and to tackle those challenges that we face in the world today. And mm-hmm. I want to be able to, um, not just in now, but also in the future, um, to bring those people together um, and to, to find ways uh, to inspire more collaborative potential with the tools that we can implement at Falling Walls and mm-hmm. uh, to really work towards this more purpose-driven community, that we're not just people working on our separate projects and our separate you know, ways, um, but that we're all collectively working towards more common goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, which book inspired you and you would like to share with our audience? Um, I think a book that's inspired me is um, a book by Naomi Klein called This Changes Everything, um, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, applies her very fierce and meticulous mind to, you know, some of the most difficult questions that we have to ask ourselves um, at this time. And um, she, of course, addresses the way that we live our lives and the way that we've, you know, implemented our ways um, as being, you know, very difficult uh, to align with our planetary health. And uh, she asks um, very disruptive questions and also says that it requires very disruptive actions for us to um, yeah, sustain our planet um, and our life yeah. on this planet. And I think this is something uh, that 
definitely drives me as well. Um, and it drives me not just um, to work for Falling Walls um, and to stand for what we stand for, uh, but to empower all of those people that are working towards a more sustainable and just society and world. Yeah, that so I sounds think that's a, that's a book that yeah. I, um, yeah, that has definitely moved me and that is something I could mm -hmm. definitely recommend as well. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. And what quality you have gained while being working in Fall of Walls Foundation? That's quality you have gained. Mm, a better understanding for technological and scientific trends. Uh, what I've learned mm -hmm. is um, and that that our work or the people that we involve are a lot of times a reflection of uh, the challenges we're facing, whether it's um, the refugee crisis. Suddenly we saw a lot more research happening in the refugee crisis, whether it's things like antibiotic resistance or now the pandemic. Um, it gave me a much better insight into what's happening in the world of science um, and what what should be done in order to empower those working um, in various scientific fields. Great. Yeah. And lastly, what was the best advice was given to you uh, was a person professionally and with a life exchanging? Mm, the best advice that was given to me was probably to, of course, um, you know, keep your goals um, at yeah. heart um, and uh, to work towards achieving those goals. But at the same time, not being scared to fail, um, understanding that failure is an important part of the process uh, to get to where yeah. you want to be um, and to not be too scared of trying, you know, uh, new things and to try to achieve those goals. Um, I think it's it's yeah. important to, to, at times, be playful with the way that you conduct your research and to be playful with the way you conduct your work um, because in this more playful character, um, you will also find the fun in doing it. And I think the fun is important to drive you. Yeah, that's really profound advice and very important. Um, do you have any final words you'd like to say to our, to our audience? Any final words you would like to say? Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you, first of all, for uh, listening to this podcast and for uh, listening to, um, you know, or to learning more about our work at the Falling Walls Foundation. And um, what else can I say? A famous man once said, uh, stay hungry and stay foolish. Um, and that's uh, one thing I can pass on. Um, basically, yeah. the those words that inspired me and, and, and taught me are words that I can forward to you as well. Um, yeah. um, don't be afraid to to uh, to fail um, and always keep uh, your mind uh, and your heart aligned. So thanks so much, Navid, for your passion, sharing your passion. I think it's very contagious. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining and sharing your stories about Falling Foundation. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me.